Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we're going to be talking scouting. Scouting for waterfowl in particular. Traditional old school scouting, putting in time in the field, or internet scouting. Which one works best for you? We're going to be talking about that and a lot more as we prepare for the upcoming hunting season here in Louisiana and across the United States. So we'll hope you'll join us on this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Let's go. Hey everybody, what's going on? Hope everybody's having a good Thursday afternoon. I'm your host of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. My name is Jacob Robery. It's been a week or so since we uh, last spoke with everyone and uh, had a lot going on. We, Me and the family took a vacation uh, over the weekend. Took a little bit of time away from work. Really needed that to kind of recharge the batteries and, uh, you know, get the family out of the house and the, the, the normal routine of the whole COVID-19 COVID quarantine situation. We, uh, we, we, we took a trip down to Alabama this past weekend and uh, took a little secluded beach trip. Went to an area that's not a, not a big tourist attraction, but spent some time out and on the beach and just kind of cleared our heads this week. Did us a lot of good, but... You know, it really, uh, with the action going on in the fishing here in Louisiana lately, especially in the Chafalaya Basin, we uh, we were kind of debating on whether or not to go and maybe take a trip, do some fishing. But we said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna change things up and just take a road trip. And we uh, we really had a good time. The weather was perfect this past weekend, and uh, wasn't too sure what the what the turnout was gonna be on the beaches with the whole with the whole pandemic thing. But honestly. Um, you know, looking at it when we got there, a lot of people were thinking like we were thinking and being being safe, keeping good social distancing, uh, practice practicing good social distancing. But everybody seemed to be having a really good time and it didn't really stop them, you know, from going out and enjoying time out with their families. But uh, like I mentioned, there's a lot of lot of good fishing going on right now in the state. The Chafalaya Basin, the water levels have really dropped off and they got they got right in the sense that their, their water levels are stabilizing and being where they need to be in order to be able to go out and catch a lot of fish. And a lot of good reports were coming in from this past weekend on the bass fishing. Uh, Sackalay fishing has been phenomenal, just been absolutely on fire. Uh, so those of you who are in the off season like I am right now, and you know, we, we're, we're not working on food plots or you're not, you know, building duck blinds at this time of year, yet you're probably out fishing, doing some frogging. Um, you know, a lot of outdoor activities, but the fishing has been tremendous. You're probably catching a lot of fish right now if you're going out, uh, you know, and fishing freshwater, especially in the Chafalaya Basin, like I mentioned. Um, so hopefully you guys are getting out there. You, you, you're getting some fresh air. You're not staying in the house. You're getting the kids out there. And that's, and that's a really, really good thing. That's something that we all need to be doing right now. The weather, the weather has been ungodly hot. I'm sure a lot of you will agree. The temperatures here, if we, you know, if you live down in the south, you already know the temperatures are just this time of year, we're in the dog days of summer. But um, here in Louisiana, it has been just incredibly hot. The humidity, as always, is what's the killer for us. Um, I know the temperatures this past week were touching right around 100 degrees. Um, you know, 100 degrees and you mix in the humidity that we get down south, especially down here in Louisiana. It seems like we get a, a big rain shower. You get those thunderstorms pop up every afternoon, and it, it just kicks it up and makes you feel like you're in a pressure cooker. But uh, with the heat indexes, we were touching about 105, 
107 in some instances. So guys, look, if you out there in this heat, and, and, and hopefully you are, just make sure you're getting your fluids. Make sure those kids that are with you, if you're taking the kids out, make sure they have the proper clothing on to be in this heat and they have plenty of fluids um, because that, that can make the difference between somebody getting really sick and having to take a trip down to the hospital versus not having to do that and having a good time on the water. So hopefully, hopefully, like I said, um, you know, everybody's doing great. There's a lot going on back at work now this week. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's business as normal now since we're back, I'm back at work this week. And I can tell you that the boating industry has not stopped. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on though in the boating industry right now. Um, you know, we talked about on one of the previous episodes about, you know, how good sales were this year, the boating industry. There's been a lot of articles written. There's been some, you know, some internet articles out there talking about how good the boating industry has been this year. It's been, a, you know, an explosive year for that. With this whole COVID situation, it really, uh, there was an uptick in business this year in the marine side, and we talked about that in one of the previous episodes. Um, you know, and business has been really good. Well, you fast forward now, we're, we're in the middle of July, and the situation that we're running into now is that if you're lucky enough, if you're in the market to buy you a boat, um, whether it's a fishing boat or a family boat, or it's a boat that you're looking at for, for hunting season, um, the, the problem is right now, there's such a shortage of inventory that's available to you as a consumer that you're very lucky if you can find that specific boat that you want. The problem that we're running into over the last couple of weeks is if you are able to find the boat that you want and it, you know, you're able to locate one, it's the, it's the stuff that you want to put on the boat. Um, if the boat's not already rigged out, you know, a lot of dealers nowadays, they don't necessarily put the high end electronics on a stock boat that's in the stores um, because there's so many options out there to the consumers. And everybody has a different taste on what brand of GPS they like, what brand of trolling motor they like. Um, you look at companies like Lawrence and you look at companies like Gorman, they introduced new trolling motors this year and they have been, you know, real popular and there's been a lot of people asking for those. So that, you know, it's not just your Minkotas and your motor guides anymore. You have other brands that are, are releasing new product and, and, you know, that are putting new product out in the market. Just uh, two weeks ago, Minkota announced that they were coming out with a uh, a new anchoring system, very similar to a power poles system. So, um, those of you who are, I see a lot of guys that commented whenever we posted some information on that, saying how can they they do that? Well, for those of you who don't know, power pole had some patents up this year. Uh, in 2020, a lot of their patents for their designs were running out, which frees up some uh, some space in the market for other companies to kind of take some of those ideas and kind of use them under their own brands and and kind of you know market some stuff and evolve some some new products off of, of what they've learned works for those other companies and that's the situation that we're in so Minkota um, is going to continue to offer the, the the talents that are out there that have been out on the market for the last couple of years but they're also going to uh, be releasing or have released now in the last two weeks a new uh a new uh, hydraulic system power uh, similar to power pole so you know if you're in the market right now the thing like I said is if you could find a boat that's great that's that's half the battle right now but if you want to add anything to the boat such as the trolling motor the anchor systems such as your power poles and your other stuff like that 
all this this equipment that we normally rig our boats out pretty much is on a national back order so and, and the reason we're running into that is because the covid pandemic has trickled down to the manufacturers trickled down trickled down to the workforce and they are not at full capacity in many of these plants that produce these products or they haven't got their full workforce back to be able to be in full production so a lot of these companies these manufacturers um, whether it's you know the main product itself or it's components that go on the product in order to be able to make the product they're they're still on hiatus a lot of them or they're they're on back order because they are not at full capacity so if you're out there and you're trying to buy a boat right now guys for hunting season or to you know a family boat or a fishing boat or a hybrid boat and you're having trouble getting product that's the main reason you're having trouble getting product right now so god bless you if you can find the boat you want and it has the equipment on it you want but in most cases that's not going to be the situation for many consumers out there um, so please be patient with your dealers guys as a salesman with a dealership and being in the marine industry for many years now um, we get so many customers when we have to tell them this news they're aggravated with us um, and we're, we're very upfront and you know with our customers from the get-go I'm even telling you know customers right now hey um, you may have to wait a while for this specific trolling motor or or a power pole or whatever it is a talon or a, a you know whatever GPS that you're looking to add to it you may have to bring that boat back to us when it's available and we can install it for you so guys if you're out there and you're purchasing a new boat and you're going through these struggles please be very patient with your dealer hopefully they're communicating with you the dealers are at the mercy of the manufacturers the manufacturers are at the mercy of the of the ports that they get from overseas or in the United States it could be here in the US they get parts um, or they could be just trying to ramp up production to be able to produce the product for you to get it out to the consumers so it, there's there's way more to it than just on the dealer level there's way more to it than just on the uh, manufacturing level um, it all goes hand in hand so that's kind of the situation we've been in um, and it's like I mentioned on one of the previous episodes, guys, if you're looking to purchase a new boat setup for hunting season, whether it's your Gator Tails, your Go Devils, um, your custom boat builders that are out there building boats, your Beaver Tails, whatever the brand is, um, you may want to start looking now because of the shortage of, of uh, product that's out there. Um, and the stuff that you want to rig it out, you may want to, you may have to go outside of the dealer for that. You may need to start looking yourself, doing some some um, investigative work and some internet shopping to see if you can kind of piece what you want on that boat and have that stuff readily available. Because I can tell you this, if your dealer can't get it for you, but you can find some of that stuff out on the internet and online, if you could, you know, purchase that stuff on your own and then when that dealer has your boat ready for you, you could bring it to the dealer and most dealers will have no problem with that. You bring a GPS, bring the trolling motor, whatever you could find out there that you may be able to find off of places like eBay, Amazon, some of those other places. It'll make your process and your boat buying experience a lot better. Um, so you could you could bring that to your dealer. They'll go ahead and put that equipment on the boat for you, and then you'll be good to go. Uh, hopefully in time for hunting season. Because look, guys, we just down the road from uh you know teal season here in Louisiana opens up in September. Um, so we're right around the corner. If you're not, you know, if you if you're into till hunting, um, you're gonna want that equipment set up and ready to go for till season. 
Uh, I know like us, we hunt public land, so you have to have a boat ready, just like you do for big duck season. You're going to want that boat ready to go for teal season. Uh, hopefully these temperatures drop off, but, you know, it is the south. It is Louisiana. Uh, I, I don't expect anything but mosquitoes, humidity, and heat come teal season. Let's be honest about it, you know. Now, guys, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, a lot of talk lately that's going on. You know, hunters haven't been happy the last couple of years with the uh, with the numbers that are coming out over the season. The, you know, a lot of guys, hell, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that you, we're seeing less ducks um, the last several years. Uh, and there's a million different conspiracies out there on why that is. Everybody has their own opinion on why there's less ducks. We're seeing, you know, the fewer number of ducks than we did years ago. And whatever the reasons may be, it's creating a lot of stir. And that trickles, once again, down to the, the, the decision makers. You know, um, wildlife and fisheries here in Louisiana, they send out surveys every year. They had some surveys go out a while back asking for hunter feedback. They wanted to know, um, you know, our thoughts on what was going on, what we, what we would like to see versus what may be reality once the season start and they set the regulations for the season and uh there's been some talks especially public land um of possibly shortening the amount of days that you're able to hunt as a public land hunter um maybe that's something that we might see in the future um I, you know a lot of guys if you hunt public land here in louisiana especially the wildlife management areas you know that several wildlife management areas across the state they have lottery hunts that are only certain days. Um, us being here in the Chafalaya Basin, we hunt, you know, Sherbin Wildlife Management Area quite a lot. We hunt um, Indian Bayou. And those of you who are familiar with that area, you know that Sherbin has lottery hunts on, you know, certain days of the week. And then they have, it's usually two days during the week. And then they have a, a lottery that you have to be drawn for uh, prior to the season starting to be able to hunt on a Saturday. So the only way you're able to hunt on that Saturday is if your name was drawn before the season starts. And those applications have to be sent in before the season starts in order to get drawn for the Saturday lottery hunts. So when those lottery hunts come around, um, you're only able to hunt on certain days. And the reasoning behind that is because they want to try to give the off days as days for those, those migratory birds to move in, for them to rest without having so much hunting pressure on them in order to make those lottery hunts more efficient and more enjoyable for us as hunters that's what they tend to do they only let us hunt a limited number of days each week well some of the feedback that we're hearing is that they are maybe looking at taking that structure that they've been using on the lottery hunts and possibly in the future applying that to the wildlife management areas in general those of you who hunt wildlife management areas, you know that right now when the season is open, as long as, you know, it's the, the waterfowl splits, you're within those splits and there's no, you know, crossover for either sex deer hunts or none of that stuff. You can pretty much hunt during the splits Monday through Sunday. If they would go adopt this mentality that they do with the lottery hunts, we would only be allowed to be able to maybe hunt three days, possibly four days out of the week. Uh, I'm not sure that number, and that's just something that they're tossing around right now. So that's something that could get very interesting because a lot of us who public land hunt, I'll be honest with you, if you're like me, 
you work X amount of days during the week, so you only have, you know, a certain couple of days that you can maybe hunt without, you know, taking a vacation or something like that. A lot of us who work, you know, when you're hunting public land, you you save some of that vacation for hunting season. And I know a lot of guys that I run into every year or that I know hunt public land, it's the same situation as, as it is with me. You might take a week or two weeks off or maybe even three weeks off of vacation if you have that much accrued at work in order to be able to hunt for a full week or two or three, whatever the number may be. Well, if they adopt this mentality of us being able to hunt at only a certain amount of days, that could affect a lot of guys with their work schedule because the days you may be off may not be the days that are open and accessible for us to hunt the wildlife management areas. So that situation, guys, could get really, really tricky. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so that's just one of the things that, that has been brought up over the last couple of weeks uh, and the last month in regards to where we, we could possibly head as public land waterfowl hunters here in the state of Louisiana. And I don't know if that's going to trickle down to the deer hunters uh, or your small game hunters such as the squirrel hunters, rabbit hunters. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's going to, from what I'm understanding, it's going to be more um, if they decide to do this geared towards waterfowl because they want to give those birds that move into the wildlife manager areas more days to rest. It could be a, a good thing. Honestly, it could. Where I see it becoming an issue is the scheduling and guys having off time. And, and if you're off versus is it open for me to be able to hunt those days? So that, that could be something that makes scheduling in the off season, the hunt season, and work scheduling a little bit more tricky. So that's something we're going to have to pay attention to and look out for. That's the type of feedback that wildlife and fisheries ask for. Um, that's, you know, apparently a topic and some, some suggestions that people made. And maybe it's something that a vast majority of people mentioned that they, they're bringing this up. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. It really will. Another change, I figured I'd go ahead and mention that now, is that heading into this hunting season, the 2020-2021 waterfowl season, um, something that's changed that was announced about a month ago is that uh, most of you, when we go to get our waterfowl, or actually not most of you, all of us as waterfowl hunters in the state of Louisiana, are required to have a HIP certification. When we go to get a waterfowl and a hunting license, you have a, you have to uh, usually uh, take the HIP certification survey, which you got, if you're not familiar with it, they'll typically ask you how many migratory birds did you kill last year, waterfowl, how many doves did you kill, um, how many geese did you kill, that type of stuff. Normally that is done if you if you go and you get your license in the past at a retail location, the person who's providing the hunting license to you, the cashier, the clerk, whoever it may be, will ask you those questions and they'll print you out a HIP certification to go along with your hunting license. Well, for 2020-2021 season, that has changed. If you are a retail license purchaser, customer, they will no longer ask you that or, or ask you those questions for your HIP certification and will no longer be able to print out a HIP certification at the store location. They will provide you with a hunting license for whatever license you're applying for. They will provide you the license and you as a hunter will be responsible to go out and online and take the HIP certification and print that out and keep it on you with your license. 
Now, if you are purchasing your hunting license like I do now, I try to do everything online now. I keep copies of it on my phone. Um, that way, I screenshot it. That way, if I ever get stopped, I have it. Um, they can look up the number for you if you've done it online. If, if you, for some reason, don't have sales service, wildlife fisheries, if an agent is to stop you, they can look that up for you. Um, but if you're a, a person like me or a hunter like me who's purchasing online, your hunting license for the new season coming up, then there will be no changes because when we purchase online, you have to take the HIP certification and answer those questions. So those of you who are doing that, you won't notice any changes. But for those of us who purchase the old school way in the retail stores, you go to Walmart, you go to Academy, your Cabela's, your Bass Pro Shops, you will be responsible for leaving that store, going to you know, going home or getting on your phone and taking your HIP certification and making sure you have that with you for the season. The HIP certification is often required, like if we were talking about lottery hunts. Whenever you go for a lottery hunt and you show up at a lottery hunt during the week and you get drawn, say your number gets drawn for a blind for a lottery hunt, when you go, the wildlife and fisheries agent is going to ask for your identification, they're going to ask for your hunting license and your HIP certification. So if you get drawn for a lottery hunt, it would suck to have to show up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, get lucky enough to get drawn, and then you get in there and you get, they ask you for that information and you forgot your HIP certification. Well, they're going to go to the next man that was, you know, draw another number for a blind. You won't be able to hunt that morning. So guys, make sure that if you're purchasing in the stores, you get that HIP certification this year. That's a big change that they're making for 2020, 2021 season so there is some changes and as as i get that information guys i will pass it along to you in future episodes of our podcast that we do here um, i try my best to keep up with it so i can share that information with you guys um, just like we did when the whole wildlife management check-in app came out uh two years ago that was huge because that that helped us not have to carry all those paper check-ins anymore you could go on the wildlife and fisheries um, app and you could check it out to any wildlife management area across the state of Louisiana put in your, your you know your uh, field numbers of what you killed and it made life a lot easier that's one of the best things and best money spent in my opinion that Louisiana wildlife fisheries did over the last several years but guys in this week's show I really wanted to talk a little bit about you know scouting and as the season's coming around and we're getting closer we're in midsummer now the kids are going to be going back to school hopefully in uh you know next month sometimes god god willing hopefully all the kids and you know we can get back to some kind of normalcy but um a lot of us are looking forward to the new season if you if you're a big deer hunter right now y'all working on food plots um us waterfowl hunters we, we might be touching up on you know getting our equipment together and, and and you know getting ready to get put our boat blinds back on the boats that type of stuff um but if you're like uh, like me and, and like our our group of guys that hunt together we're, we're doing internet scouting and we're doing a lot of you know online scouting right now and that's always a big debate that we see every year a lot of a lot of the old school guys I, i'm one of the older guys i grew up you know, we didn't have the internet till I was in almost a senior in high school. I'm that old. Some of you who are listening to this show, you can't even relate to that. You have no idea how it was before the, when the internet didn't exist. But back then, we were using paper maps. We were using the, the wildlife management areas. I remember Dad uh, having paper maps of all that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And uh, we had to, we had to, the, the, you know, the ease, I guess you could say, of scouting was in a paper map back then. You looked at a paper map, you kind of checked everything out, and then we drove to those to those areas that we wanted to hunt. We we put in that time, we put boots on the ground, and we started scouting. And you know, nowadays with the technology that's out there, there's so much access to information that's out there. Whether it's social media pages that you could hop on, um, you know, there's a lot of great pages on Facebook that that I frequent on a daily basis. Um, shout out to a lot of those good pages. You have Louisiana Duck Hunters. Louisiana wetlands. There's so many. There's so many pages out there that you could get on. That a lot of guys I, I hear get on, and they 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 do some internet scouting based off of the reports that they see on these pages. You may be getting on our last stop waterfowl page. We try to give you some accurate, you know, information as accurate and up to date as possible whenever we take fishing trips, whenever we take hunting trips. So some of you probably hop on our page to tune in from time to time just to see what kind of reports and, and you know are on the page and that's what we do it for we love to share that information and there's a lot of pages out there so social media could be a great scouting tool now how much of that information is is accurate in some cases i can tell you that if it's on our page and we talk about it we try to stay as accurate as possible and give you honest information uh, do all pages do that i don't think that's the situation in all in all pages out there a lot of it's BS, and a lot of guys hold that information tight to the hip. Um, and, and, you know, I don't blame them at all. That's something that they choose to do. They may be putting in the time scouting, and they're not just going to go give everybody information out of what's out there uh, and when, they, you know, you haven't put in the time. So I don't, blame, I don't blame those groups for doing that. I don't blame you as a hunter for doing that. And that's something that does happen, I promise you. So they'll, they'll BS, and you, you you see a lot of guys cut jokes, uh, uh, you know, about, hey, killed him here. And you can see the picture in the background, and you know damn well, um, you know, Venice doesn't have an a, a, a oak flat or a, a cypress flat. Uh, when, you know, if you've been down to Venice waterfowl hunt, you know it's it's 99% roseau canes and marsh ponds. That's what we're looking at. Uh, so you'll see a lot of guys joking about stuff like that, and, you know, but believe it or not, you know, there's a lot of people who are hitting those pages to get information because they don't put in the time scouting and they're going on a trip. They want to take a trip out there to this weekend to make a waterfowl hunt. And they don't know the difference when they look at that picture, whether it's Venice or it's stuck in Arkansas. They have no clue. So those type of guys, you know, and, and we've probably all been guilty of that to some degree. Uh, but there's a lot of information out there that's inaccurate. So you got to really be careful with social media when you're using social media as a scouting tool. Um, you know, because like I said, with the technology nowadays, you can get a lot of accurate information and insight, but you just got to make sure it's coming from a reliable source as possible. Um, other areas of technology that are available to us now for scouting, you have your Google, your Google Maps, you have apps that are being created like we use we use onyx onyx is a huge a huge um, advantage in, in hunting public land in my opinion um, onyx is an app that we started using several years ago and basically what onyx does is it allows hunters to to you know pay a yearly subscription you can subscribe to the app and to the service and it'll break down everything that is public versus private land if it's private, it'll tell you exactly who owns the land. So those of you who are in the Midwest or you're up north, and, uh, you know, it's a little different than down here in the south. 
Um, a lot of a lot of you guys who are listening to the show, you may be able to go out and ask a farmer, hey, can I hunt your property? Well, if you want to take advantage and kind of you know take the shortcuts and knowing who owns that property, OnX is a great app because they'll tell you in your area whatever piece of land it is, you could log on, you could you know zoom into that piece of land that you've been looking at making a hunt on possibly, and it'll tell you who the landowner is. That way, when you approach the landowner, you already know their name. You know who to ask for, and that can maybe help uh, build a relationship to be able to get, be able to give you some access to hunt their land. Down here in the South, that's typically not how we see it down here. If it's privately owned, and, and you're asking to hunt, and you go knocking on the door asking to hunt somebody's land, they're gonna look at you like you absolutely, you know, insane, or maybe even greet you with a shotgun at the door for asking that. It, it's just different. It's different. It's completely different. Um, down here, you know, the, that we see in the south. But uh, but these apps such as OnX, what it does do for me as a public land waterfowl hunter, man, I can see the boundary lines in a wildlife management area because down here, a lot of our wildlife management areas border up to hunting leases. Um, you know, it's a privately owned land. And it, it gives me great detail on what is public versus what is private. So... You know, when I when I subscribed a couple of years ago to OnX, there were there were actually spots that I was hunting on wildlife management areas that I thought were part of the wildlife management areas that were borderline where it was private land. And you know, the wildlife management areas don't exactly have the greatest markings all the time, especially when you go deep into the woods, deep into the swamps like we hunt. Um, you know, we try to get away from some of the some of the crowd like a lot of you guys do. And uh, when you get further in to the wildlife management areas, they're not marked always with, you know, signs and perfect, you know, border lines and all that type of stuff. So um, having the ONX app really made that information a lot more accessible to me. It made it a lot easier to me. And, it, it, you know, the last thing I want to do as a public land waterfowl is get caught on somebody's land hunting your land and me trespassing because I thought I was on, you know, public property. So that can lead to a lot of a lot of problems down the road. That's not something that I believe in. Um, you own your land; that's your land, you, you know. And I don't want to intrude on that as as a public land hunter. Um, that's just my my opinion on the situation. But you know that those type of apps and that access to the, to the technology and scouting has made life a lot easier for us as a waterfowl group and me as a waterfowl hunter. Um, and it's available to everybody out there. The ONX app in this particular example I'm using, I think a subscription, a yearly subscription will give you, you know, is 29 bucks a year, something like that. They offer discounts on them. If you look on social media all the time, they have uh, times a year, especially the off season. Right now, you could probably go get a discount off the normal subscription price. But um, it's a great tool to use. <clears throat> It'll save you a lot of time. It'll save you a lot of headache. Um, and we use it to mark, you know, deer stands. We use it to mark duck blinds. Um, I can look back in the off season and say, okay, I killed X amount of ducks in this particular blind that I had marked as a waypoint. Um, and it kind of gives me an idea going into the next season of what areas I want to start scouting first and kind of focus in on. Uh, maybe some areas didn't produce as well, and I, you can track all that information within the app. Um, and, and it just makes life a lot easier. So it can be used as a as a very useful tool for you. 
Um, so, and that's just one that's out there now. Onyx is, is one of the main ones out there. There's a lot of other ones that are out there on the market right now um, that you can check out. But those type of apps, along with your, with your Google Earth, which, you know, you could break down aerial imagery, check out, you know, what, what is, you know, swamp versus what is hardwoods, um, you know, what type of, you know, um, you know, if it's a cypress flat that you want to hunt, it'll give you all that information. So there's a lot of access available at our fingertips nowadays as hunters in today's, in today's, uh, you know, industry and in today's, uh, way it is set up for life you know nowadays you have all this access to information um you know i see a lot of a lot of young i hate to stereotype but I, you know i'm i'm an older guy i'm an old I, like i mentioned i'm an old old school hunter back in my day we didn't even have the internet like i mentioned earlier but i, I find and and it's not i don't want to stereotype and, and offend anybody in any manner but i do find that there's a lot of guys you know, waterfowl has become a popular thing. It's a mainstream. When you had, you know, your Duck Dynasty a few years ago, that made a lot of guys interested in the sport, which was a great thing for the sport. Uh, but it introduced a lot of people to the sport, and they 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 went out there and they bought boats, they bought, uh, <clears throat> you know, new clothing, they bought new new guns, new shotguns, all that type of stuff. But they didn't have a, a, a history of the lay of the land in the areas that they hunted, so they turned to technology like social media, like your, uh, Google Earth and all your aerial imagery mapping, and they started trying to use that to be able to go out and hunt. If it's used correctly, guys, it could be great, but it could also go the other way. It could also be used inappropriately. Like I said, I was in an area for a long time in some of these wildlife management areas that I thought was part of the wildlife management areas that were on private land so if you had a you know a, a hunter like that that's possibly hunting on private land that could cause a lot of problems if they get caught you know on somebody's land that's bordering up to a wildlife management area or somewhere else where they shouldn't be um you know so it can be used in a negative way but there's a lot more good in my opinion that comes out of the technology now um, for scouting that we have at our fingertips than probably neg negative stuff coming out of it. Now, I hear guys often say, okay, well, yeah, that's great. You can scout online, but that don't tell you, you know, that doesn't necessarily dictate or correlate to what it looks like when you see it in person. And that's where the, the other side of the coin comes into play. That's where your traditional scouting comes into play, guys. So there's nothing, in my opinion, like putting your boots on the ground, like I referenced earlier, and going to an area and scouting that area out for yourself. Me, as a hunter, every year, even though I hunt the same, a lot of the same areas, season after season after season, I still revisit those areas every year before the season opens. Especially public land hunting. Because, guys, you know, if you public land hunt, and many of you listening to this podcast do, it changes yearly in the wildlife management areas here in Louisiana. And those of you in other states, it's probably the same situation for you. You know, the funds aren't there most of the time is what we always hear to be able to, to maintain the wildlife management areas and the public land as much as they'd like to. You hear that oftentimes. So that when funds are not available to, to do the proper spraying that they need to, to do the proper clearing out of invasive species that we need to in our wildlife management areas, it could change our, our hunting situation 
drastically from year to year. Those of you who hunt public land, you know what I'm talking about. A prime example that we used to hunt back in the day in our area, in the Sherburn management area, was what a lot of you guys will reference as the prairie area off of section 120. Section 120 is well known in that area for waterfowl hunters. Well, if you hunted section 120 or you hunt it now, there's an area that for years was known as the prairie. The prairie used to be a wide open area in the Sherburn management area where you could probably fit, I don't know, anywhere from nine, 10, 12 different groups of hunters. Well, over the years, it has been shrinking drastically. Every year, it's smaller. And every year, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Last year, I made a hunt in that in the prairie area, and you could fit one boat where they had enough open water to be able to have waterfowl land in that area. So it, it's, it's a shame, guys. And I talked about this in some of uh, my, my other posts that I did on our social media page. And in previous podcasts, I, I referenced this. It's a shame to see how that area, which was so productive for public waterfowl hunting, in that one management area has deteriorated over the years and it's changed the way we hunt it. So, you know, you have you may have access to it. Some years it's getting so bad now, there's hardly any access to it. Those of you who listen to this podcast and you hunt that area, you guys know you get in there before the season and you try to you try to scout it out. There's usually one group of guys that's going to have to cut a trail to get back there. And it's a small, small ditch that you could get back to this area. And and, and you at the beginning of the season, you, you're hoping that you could have enough rainfall and enough water to make a, make a little area where we could hold some decoys. Because if you are able to make, you know, have an open water area in there, you're going to kill some birds. The birds have been, flown through that area and showed up in that area year after year. But guess what? If we If that keeps deteriorating, guys, we're only a season or two away from not being able to hunt that ever again. And there's areas like that all across the state of Louisiana. So, you know, whenever they're asking for that feedback in the off season, some of you, you may not even pay attention to it. But me as a, as a waterfowl hunter, I want to keep the, the sport alive. I want to have future places for my boys that are coming up to be able to hunt. I try to fill out those surveys, guys, and get them in to wildlife fisheries. It may, you may be saying to yourself, you know what, Jacob, they don't fucking listen to it. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. And, and you know what? You're probably 100% correct on that on that take. But I, I feel that I'm not doing my part as a waterfowl hunter and as a resident of Louisiana who partakes in hunting if I don't give them the feedback. At least my feedback, hopefully somebody will see it and somebody will care enough to, you know, and enough of you as fellow hunters will have the same beliefs and ideas and, and a feedback and opinions to make a difference. You know, now maybe maybe I'm just gullible and, and it'll never amount to a hill of beans, but I, I enjoy public waterfowl hunting and I want to continue to do it with my sons until I can't do it anymore. And I, the, what I love about public waterfowl hunting is that it drastically changes. The, the part that's the biggest problem sometimes and headache is, is one of the biggest things that I enjoy about it the most. And I know that may not make a lot of sense to some of you, but every year it changes. And, and I like that because you never know what you're going to get. Some areas that were closed up last year and chalked up with Salvania or, or lilies and hyacinth, you go to next year, 
and and they're they just happen to be open again or you know um mother nature's done her thing and you're able to hunt that hole that's happened over the years i've seen that happen over the years there's holes that we hunted for years that you couldn't hunt no more and then all of a sudden you know you go one season and you're able to get in there you know in that hole again and make and make some hunts and have some successful hunts so it works both ways but i feel it's important that we give our feedback when we see it affecting us in a negative way and these surveys come out let's go ahead and give some feedback on it in all season you know maybe they'll make some changes that that benefit us just maybe there's a slight chance that they actually looking out for us as the hunters you know so that feedback could be a, a vital part of that information and what those changes are but you know like i said the old school way of scouting is still my number one way of doing it before the season we are i'm out there guys and and I, i'm i've done it every which way you could imagine i've done it by duck boats with surface drives long tails i've been in traditional boats with outboard motors on them i've i've done the whole p-rog thing where i p-rog into certain spots I, years ago i bought a kayak and i was doing a lot of kayak hunting because i was trying to get away from some of the pressure so I, i'd go in before the season started and i'd scout whatever areas i wanted to scout in my kayak in my p-rog um, however i had to do it i would do it whether it was by foot I can't tell you how many holes in my lifetime I've walked into, and I'm I'm not a small guy, guys. I'm I'm a I'm a big, heavy set guy. I'm six foot two, 280 pounds. I'm not in the best of shape at 41 years old. It's harder every year, but it drives me every year to go in before the season and scout those areas because they change so much. You know what you see on Google Earth or what you see on an aerial imagery map is not at all what it always correlates to when you see it in person and those of you who hunt public land and and even hunt maybe even privately on land you know what i'm talking about when i say that it changes drastically so those those guys who are showing up opening weekend and they're going they haven't put in the time where they've had boots on the ground or i should say hip boots on the ground or waders in the swamp doing their scouting you may show up to a hole that looks open on google earth and when you get there, that hole's gone. They, they haven't done a, 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 a update on that map since the previous year. So that stuff changes. That's the guys that you see are separated, you know, each season, in my opinion. That's the guys that you see are filling straps or, or, you know, killing birds versus the guys who are out there just participating and looking the part. And those of you who are listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of guys out there who look the part. They got the Sitka gear. They got the top-end stuff, the best shotguns, the baddest-ass duck boat, but they never kill a bird. They never. They, you never see those guys in the reserves killing a bird. They always have an excuse of, oh, it wasn't good, or, you know, the wind wasn't right, too much cold weather, not enough cold. It's always something. And we've all been guilty, I'll be honest. We've all been guilty. We all, hey, look, hunters and fishermen are the biggest bullshitters out there. You know that. We have the most excuses when it doesn't go our way or we don't catch them. You know, I, I bass fish tournaments for years. And you go in the week and you catch 18, 20 pounds of bass on a five fish stringer. But tournament day, I'd come in with six or seven pounds. And oh, well, you know, too many boats were on the water. Oh, the water shifted. The water dropped. The, the lilies moved in. 
<coughs> bullshit. You know, I was bullshitting myself when I'd say that. I just didn't catch them. Same thing in the duck blind. If you don't kill them, you just don't kill them. You know, Mother Nature plays a big part of it, especially as waterfowl hunters. Because, look, let's be honest. The elements it, the elements are out against us. The birds are against us. You know, you can't control waterfowl. They could be there one day. The next day, they won't be there. You know? So, yeah, there is a lot of it that Mother Nature plays a part on. And, and the species that we're hunting, the waterfowl play a, a big part in. But... If you that guy who's not putting in the time scouting and you showing up, you know, open a weekend or during a week to make a hunt because you've been internet scouting and it looks like a great spot, guess what? Don't expect to have a successful hunt in most cases. You may get lucky. You may you may trip up and, and have a lucky hunt and get lucky, but I can promise you nine out of ten times you're going to scratch or you might come out with a wood duck or something like that if you're lucky, you know? So... If, in my opinion, like I said, put your put your boots on the ground, get out there if you want to be successful, you know, as, or have a chance of being successful. Let me say that. Then there's nothing like putting <clears throat> feet on the ground and going out and scouting in person. Um, you know, and and going out ahead of time, you know, looking at what the terrain looks like each year, because, like I said, it does change. That's always a good thing. That helps us. The more time we put in scouting, the better time we have during the season because we're killing a little bit more birds. Now, we may not always be killing limits of birds. Um, you know, and it could be a successful hunt on public land. It could be three birds, two birds for you, you know, four birds, five birds, whatever it may be. Everybody has a different number. It's not always about the limits. And, and a lot of new hunters get fixated on that. Oh, I killed a limit by 7.30 in the morning. Oh, I killed a limit at 6.45 in the morning. And you see all these, these, these crazy times. You know what, guys? It's all about bragging rights in some people's minds. And, and they want to, you know, that's the whole thing that goes along with social media nowadays. And, you know, and great. You know, if you kill a limit at 6.30, that's, that's great. But me as an old school hunter, I'll be honest with you. Some days I want to kill a limit by 6.30 or whatever the time is, 7.30 or 7 o'clock. You know, that's great because I may have to go to work at 12 o'clock, so I want to, I want to knock out uh, a limit early if I can. Who doesn't want to do that sometimes? But other days where I want to enjoy the experience, um, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we'll pass up, you know, some birds early on in the morning. It's not often. Not often that happens, I have to be honest. But, you know, if, we, if we're if we hunting flooded timber in a reserve and we know that they have mallards that have been showing up at 10, 10.30 in the morning, well, you know how it is, guys. You, you, you might hold off and wait on a couple of teal because you, you see you could kill, you know, teal um, a little bit easier than you can mallards or, you know, widgeon or, or gadwall, whatever it may be, the species that you want to go after. So you may wait on those bigger ducks to come on a later flight that morning. Some mornings that's going to burn you, but other mornings... You know, it may be it may be a hell of a hunt that you're making. It's it's well worth it. But I enjoy, especially with my boys now coming up. With Jackson, you know, Jackson's 11 years old. He turned 11 in January. Over the last two seasons, I've really seen Jackson enjoy the hunts more than he did when he I was bringing him when he was younger because he's he's learning now that it's it's about the experience and it's about you know us spending time together and he's learning. Okay, I know what this species is. I know this is a gadwall when they fly over the decoys. 
I can tell by the way they're flapping their wings or what their colors look like. He he's getting more interested in it because he's ex becoming a, a, a all-around better hunter now. He's a, he's enjoying it. You know, I have another son right behind him that's six years old this year. He's at that age where he don't he don't know that stuff yet. He just if if dad wants to drag him out hunting, he'll go because he'll come spend time with me. But it's not something he really probably enjoys quite yet. It's freezing cold, you know, or, or he's sweating his, his butt off if it's during teal season. I don't want to drag him out there and make him miserable. But in a couple of years, if I if I could continue to expose him a few times each season in a few years, hopefully he'll gain that, that, that interest in it and he'll want to do it more and more and more like Jackson did as he's getting older now. So, you know, that's stuff that I really enjoy and, and you know, I like spending a, a day out there in the blind, you know, and, and even even if we have killed birds like limits before early on, there's many mornings we'll stay out in the blind and kind of just see what the birds are doing. That's part of scouting. You know, you can scout or even when the season's open. You know, how many of us go out there when the season is open, we'll make a hunt in the morning, you don't do real good, so you may, you may pack up all the decoys, Go back to the to the launch, you know, maybe get you some breakfast. We'll, we might take a ride out to Billy's, get us some boudin, get us some cracklings, you know, or, or go back to the camp, make us some eggs, some biscuits, some sausage, and then we'll get a good meal in us, and we'll go right back out and go scout another spot. So if, if, you're, if you're like that, that's how we are. Our group, we constantly, even during the season, scouting in order to give us the most success possible. So we're using a combination of the technology that we talked about with, uh, with the apps that are available to us, such as OnX. Um, we're using the Google Earth. We're using, you know, aerial imagery maps. And we're using that to give us a gateway to go to those spots and put our feet on the ground and go do some, some old school scouting. So it's, it's kind of a, a never-ending cycle that we do from, the, you know, before the season opens all the way through the season. Because I'll be honest with you, we scout all the way through the end of the season. Once the season closes in January, that's when we typically stop scouting. We start looking at fishing, you know, going into fishing season. We put up all our stuff, you know, store our boats, store our decoys, put all that stuff away, work on those little projects we got at the end of the season to clean up everything. And then at this time of year, we're starting to start, you know, starting to look at scouting for the upcoming season. It starts early. Some some of these these big places that you see, like you you know, your hunting breaks and all, you, these big resorts and these big uh, you know guide services. A lot of the guide services, <clears throat> they never stop. It's a year round situation because they got to be stringing up decoys, they got to be you know fixing levees, they got to be planning, you know, doing all that type of stuff. There's a lot of forming at some of these places that goes on. They they are getting ready because they have paid customers that are coming to see them once the season opens. And they want to make your experience as a paid customer as good as it could possibly be. So there's a lot that goes into it, even more than on a much grander scheme than what it is as us being a, a hunter on our own hunting throughout the season. So there's a lot that goes into it. But guys, I don't know what your opinion is. You know, I've been talking and, and about you know how we do it versus how we see a lot of other guys do it and, and guys that we talk to during the season. You may feel that internet, the, the technology side, is much better for you as a hunter. You may feel 
the opposite, that the old school way of doing it is better for you. And that's a great debate to have between hunters and, you know, a lot of good conversations could come out of that. But in my in my opinion, like I said in closing, that I think it's a combination of the two to make you the, the best successful hunts that you can have during the season. You know, it's it's a combination of the, the technology that's available to us versus the old school want to to get out of bed. You know, when you can't hunt and go out there and put put time on the ground and do some scouting. Um, but no matter what, we're all doing it for the same reason. We're doing it for the love of the sport. And at the end of the day, uh, the numbers won't lie. I guess I guess what works for you um, or, or what doesn't work for you will show up at the end of the season. You know, every year that's that's going to be the tell the telltale of it. So, guys, I really enjoyed this week's episode. Hopefully, you gained some effort, some good information from this show. Um, we enjoyed doing it. Lately, we've been doing it on a weekly basis because, like I said, we're ramping up for hunting season. We're getting ready. We're getting, we're getting fired up. We're getting excited. I know I am. I know the boys are. I know our, the guys in our group are. Those of you, you know, that don't waterfowl hunt, it doesn't matter. You, you, you're getting ready for bow season. You're pulling out the bows, you're pulling out the crossbows and the targets, you're starting to shoot. It's awesome. It's that time of year. We midsummer, guys, we're not too far off. So uh so hopefully we could we could keep talking about this stuff. If you have topics that you want to talk about, want us to talk about on the show on the podcast, hell, shoot us a, a message on our social media pages, guys. If you're not following us on social media, we're on we're on all the social media platforms. And as we get into the season and closer to the season. Um, we're going to start having more video. I, we have some equipment we ordered that I just ordered today. I got a new, uh, a new camera system that we got coming in for the, for the camera. Um, we're doing some audio, you know, some upgrades on the audio. So hopefully that stuff continues to get better and we'll share more experiences with you guys. Uh, we, I'm, I'm really enjoying this, the whole, the whole podcast thing. It's one of the best things I probably ever did for my spare time is to, to get on this and, uh, you know, enjoy talking waterfowl hunting and talking outdoors and and promoting our state here of louisiana and just outdoors in general it's, it's been an awesome met a lot of good people guys so i enjoy it but look guys if you're not following us like i mentioned on social media get on facebook we're on the last stop waterfowl outdoors get on our page we'd appreciate it if you go there and you, you like our page follow our page um we're on tiktok not we haven't done as much on tiktok yet but we'll start having more stuff as the season progresses and we get closer. Uh, Jackson's kind of running that with me. He's, he's helping me out with the TikTok stuff. Um, Instagram, we'll have pictures there. A lot of stuff over the last couple of seasons. Some great photos that we took in the outdoors. You can kind of see uh, pictures from our hunts. You can see what it's the terrain's like. If you're not here in Louisiana and you're not a resident, we got some awesome photos from across Louisiana. If you've ever wondered what it looks like, uh, you know, actual waterfowl spots that we hunt here in Louisiana. Got some good photos. And just everything outdoors, guys. Uh, we, we, we share it all. Cooking. We love cooking. That's a big part of our heritage down here, and uh, that's a big thing that we do. But, guys, look, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end this show for this week. <clears throat> want to thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Until next time, everybody stay safe. Thank the good Lord up above for allowing us to get outdoors and enjoy the outdoors and Mother Nature. And until next time, guys, we'll see you in the outdoors. Y'all have a good week.